teach us and cause us to, to hear you. Let our spiritual ears be opened, our spiritual eyes be opened. That we might hear you, that we might understand you. Teach through me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. So last week we we concluded that uh, there were two systems of living, two systems of living. One of them will promote God's purpose, will be able to manifest or achieve God's purpose, and the other one will not. <clears throat> you recall that we had the two systems as law and grace, law and grace. Then we looked briefly I give an outline of the, um, of the main characteristics of the law living, which is an achieving system, and also the grace living, which is a receiving system. The law, which is an achieving system, and then grace, which is a receiving system. These are two systems of living. And we, as, uh, as humans, are always given the choice, either to live by law or to live by grace. You recall it, um, I think in John chapter 1, verse, uh, verse 12 or 14, it said Moses came with the law, right? Moses came with the law, but Jesus came with what? Grace and truth. Jesus came with grace and truth. So we saw the characteristics and the summary was that the law living is when we live according to the flesh. The law living ends with living according to the flesh. Whereas the grace living is living according to the spirit. So it is now flesh versus spirit. The last two um, passages that we saw last week and uh, we didn't have time to go through those uh, passages. The first one was Romans 8, 5 to 8. <clears throat> Second one was uh, Galatians 5, 17 to, to 21. And I'll just read through. Romans 8, verses 5 to 8 says that for those, for those who are according to the Spirit set their minds on the things, sorry, let me go through, let me repeat that. For those who are according to the flesh, if you if you have your, um, you know, the manual for, for last week. So let's fill in those those blanks. There were some blank spaces in those passages. For those who are according to the flesh, set their minds on things of the flesh. The flesh will be what you insert in those two. Gaps, but those who are according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For the mind set on the flesh is death, but the mind set on the Spirit is life and peace. Because the mind set on the flesh is hostile towards God, 
for it does not subject itself to the law of God, for it is not even able to do so. And those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Can you give that to me in um, New American Standard Bible, please? New American, good, good, good. So, um, five to eight. All right, for those who are according to the flesh, set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who are according to the spirit, the things of the spirit, six. For the mind set on the flesh is death, but the mind set on the spirit is life and peace, seven. Because the mind set on the flesh is hostile toward God, for it does not subject itself to the law of God, for it is not even able to do so, eight. And those who are according to the flesh cannot please God. So we see the two systems and the comparison or the contrast, the spirit and the flesh. One leads to life and the other one leads to death. One is hostile towards God, the other one is friendly towards God. One is subject to the law of God, to the principles of God, to the ways of God, and the other one is not. We will define death when we get into the next um, lesson. The flesh, those who are according to the flesh, cannot please God. It's not a question of will not, but they cannot please God. They cannot please God. If you are in the flesh, if you are walking according to the flesh, because it is contrary to the spirit. Now, Galatians 5, Galatians chapter 5, verses 17 to 21. Galatians chapter 5. So let's fill in those uh, gaps as we did in the previous uh, passage. And then you can now see the contrast. You can see the contrast between walking in the flesh, walking after the flesh, and walking after the spirit. Paul says in Galatians 5, verse 17, for the flesh sets its desires against the spirit. The flesh sets its desires against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another. They are in opposition to one another so that you may not do the things you please. You may not do the things you please. 18, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now, the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmities, strife, jealousy outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like this, of which I forewarn you, just as I have forewarned you, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Notice he said, those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. When you practice something, 
what is the aim when you practice something? You want to be good at it, right? You know, we see the worship team, you know, they come in and rehearse because they want to be good at what they are doing. Believers can do these things, but they don't practice them. See the difference between a believer and an, and an unbeliever? Those that, that are in the flesh. If you are in the flesh, that means you are an unbeliever. A believer can walk according to the flesh. A believer is not in the flesh. And Paul makes this distinction in chapter 8 of Romans. He says those, are, those that are in the flesh do not have the life of God. But believers can walk according to the flesh, but they are not in the flesh. Does that make sense? So, so we have to keep these two in contrast. You see, in, in grace teaching, we are not... We are not promoting sinlessness. You know, you know we, we believers sin by choice. They sin because they want to sin. But unbelievers sin because that is just their lifestyle. Believers sin by choice. So we have a choice to sin. We have a choice to, to walk according to the spirit or to walk according to the flesh. So we see the two systems. It says that one is in opposition to one another. The flesh is in opposition to the spirit. The spirit opposes the flesh. So you cannot walk according to the spirit and according to the flesh at the same time. You, know, you have to do, you have to choose one. You choose one or the other. And it says, so that you may not do what you please. You may not do what you please. The things that you want to do as a believer because you have the spirit of God in you, you have the life of God, Christ indwells you, the Holy Spirit indwells your spirit. You want to do the things of the spirit. Amen? You want to manifest the love of Christ. You want to fulfill God's purpose. That is our inner desire as believers. We don't want to sin. You don't want to do that. Now, he says that because these two are in opposition, the flesh opposes the things of the spirit. You will not do what you want to do. Our desires as believers is that we want to manifest, we want to reveal the life of God that is in us because he designed us to, to be containers of his life. God designed us to be containers of his life. At any time that we do not manifest that life, then we are choosing not to manifest or not to fulfill God's purpose in our lives. Amen? And then you see the works of the, the, works of the flesh. The works of the flesh. You list them. Eh? Immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, Disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like this. So there are so many others which there are so many others that we will con that we will consider. So anytime we walk according to the flesh, when all these things, when these things, any of them or all of them are manifesting in our relationships, what do we have? Conflicts. Right? Conflicts, frustration. 
morality, conflicts, impurities, sensuality, and all of that. Anytime we walk according to the flesh, we end up in conflict and frustration. We cannot experience the life of God. We cannot experience the life of God. We experience death instead. Let me ask us, what do you understand by that word death? Question, what is death? Because, you know, oftentimes, especially, uh, you know, in the books, in, you know, in uh, Paul's uh, letters, he talks about death. Does that always mean physical death? It doesn't always mean physical death. What is, what is the general, what you might say, the general definition? The general definition of death. Can anybody attempt that? The general definition of death? Eh? You cease to live. In other words, the absence of life. Just as darkness is the absence of light, right? So when, we, when, when, we mention, when Paul mentions the word death, it means the absence of life. Okay? When Paul talks about death, when he says that uh, those whose mindset is on the flesh brings death, it's talking about the absence of the life of God. Talking about the absence of the life of God. It means that you are not experiencing the life of God. You are not experiencing the life that God had designed you to experience. And what is God's life? See, God's life and our lives, they are different. They are different. God's life is eternal love, peace, joy. Fulfillment, enjoyment, rest, completion. That is God's kind of life. Guidance. You know, you read um, Galatians 5, I think from 21, it talks about the fruit of the Spirit. That is God's kind of life. Eternal joy, eternal peace, eternal patience, fulfillment. Many of us are fulfilled. I don't mean by the things that we see around us. I mean eternal fulfillment. That is God's kind of life. And so we see the flesh and the spirit. So our next lesson is, uh, let's see what this flesh is all about. What is the nature, what is the nature of the flesh? Can you cue now to, to the next one? The nature of the flesh. The nature of the flesh. Thank you. Now, depending on the... I am now in control, okay? Depending on the Bible version that uh, you are reading... Uh -oh. Okay. Depending on the Bible version that you are reading, um, or the, that you use, the flesh may be known as the sinful natures, particularly if you are reading the uh, NIV, if you are using the NIV, uh, there are some places where they will say the flesh is the sinful nature, and in the margin, in the margin, they will write the flesh. They will write the flesh. It could also be known as self, 
S-E-L-F, self, or in some other Bibles, as a human standard, the human standard, or the self-life, human standard, or the self-life. So, the, you know, the flesh that we are talking about is not your, it's not your skin and bones and, uh, you know, the flesh. It means totally different things, although some places in the Bible, uh, you know, the use of the word flesh would actually infer your skin, your flesh, and your bones, okay? But uh, this one does not mean that. So let's see how we define the flesh. Traditionally, that is the traditional religious view of the flesh. Many times I have to push these things before it moves. Is it possible for you to do it for me? I would say the next slide. Okay, right. The traditional religious view, it says that flesh is evil behavior and the spirit is good behavior. That's the traditional religious understanding of the flesh. It says the flesh is evil behavior and the spirit <coughs> is good behavior. But you note this, that an unbeliever can choose to behave well. Can also choose not to behave well. Okay, so that is not the correct definition of the flesh. It's not evil behavior and good behavior. Next, next slide please, next. Next is, it is good me, sorry, go back to that. It's good me versus the bad me. Good me versus the bad me. In other words, God helps the good me. Now, this presupposes, that definition presupposes that you have two yous in you. Does that make sense? In other words, you have two natures. There's the good nature and then the evil nature. Two of you living in you. Now, is that possible? Can you have two natures? God, if we had two natures, then God has set us up for civil war. Yeah, he has set us up for civil war. And God is too kind, God is too wise to set us up for civil war. So there is only one nature that we have, right? It's either, it's either you have the divine nature or you have the satanic nature. See, as believers, it says that we have been granted what? The divine nature. You have the divine nature as believers. So we have only one. You only have one you. You don't have two yous. One being good and then the other one being bad. Next slide, please. <clears throat> so, the biblical view... Next. You are chewing into my time. All right. Uh, as you wait for that to come up, you have the, in your, the uh, biblical view of the flesh. It says that flesh is our living 
out of our own natural resources. So you fill in those two words, natural resources. Natural resources. So it means doing things your own way. Doing things your own way. So the flesh is our living out of our own natural resources. In other words, doing things your own way. Remember uh, when I was a student and uh, you know, sitting under my teacher, anytime they come to that place, doing things our own way, then they would sing Frank Sinatra's song, I'll do it my way. Ah, you know. Frank Sinatra, he did his, his, his own ways, right? I'll do it my way. And there is one thing there. I think Solomon said there is a way that seemed right unto a man. It's a way that seemed right unto us, our own ways. But what is the end of that way? It always leads to destruction, always leads to death. And the interesting thing about that is that it is when you get to the end before you see the destruction. When you're walking in it, you feel happy, this is my own way. You don't know until when you get to the end. See, the end of it is destruction. Therefore, a person may be attempting to achieve your own acceptance. You may be attempting to achieve your own acceptance you may be attempting to, you know, to meet your need for love. You know, meet your need for love using your own ways. Amen? So is flesh living out of our own natural resources. We will talk more about those uh, resources. Um, human standards or legalism. Human standards. And... Uh, 1 Corinthians 1, 26, thank you for bringing that up. See, human standard or legal, for consider your calling, this is Paul speaking, brethren, that there were not many wise according to the flesh. And the flesh there means human standard. Human standard. There were not many that were wise according to my standard. Sometimes my standard tends to be higher than God's standard. Says, not many, not not mighty, not many mighty, and not many noble, according to standard. Now the second one. Can you get to the second one? Number two. Number two. Uh oh. No, no, no. Let's go back to self-improvement. Okay. As you are struggling with, just, just leave that, okay? Then I will we'll read through here. Self-improvement. This flesh could also mean self-improvement. In Galatians 3, 3 says, Paul says, Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh or your human effort? So the flesh could also be identified as human effort to improve yourself. You see, you're improving self. A lot of uh, education is just to improve self, self-improvement. Number three, the chief of sinners. 
Philippians 3, 3 to 7. And here you will see Paul's own confession of his flesh. In other words, his natural resources that he has been using to meet his own needs. Chief of sinners, this is Paul speaking, for we are the true circumcision who worship in the spirit of God and glory in Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Paul says he puts no confidence in the flesh. He says, I myself might put confidence in the flesh. I far more. So he's now going to tell us what he means by his own flesh. Those natural resources in which we can put our confidence. Okay. He lists them. Circumcised the eighth day of the nation of Israel, comma, of the tribe of Benjamin, comma, a Hebrew of Hebrews. Semicolon. So we stop there. So he gives a break there. So what do you think was the flesh here? What was the natural resource that he was referring to here? When he starts listing circumcision, he was circumcised on the eighth day. <laughs> He's of the nation of Israel. He's of the tribe of Benjamin. Very strong tribe, warlike tribe. A Hebrew of Hebrews. Just like say a Nigerian of Nigeria. <laughs> An American of America. So what do you think he was, he was referring to there? What general, one, one, what one word can you uh, um, identify those terms, those attributes? Huh? Proud? Egocentric? Huh? What? Your status? About your pedigree? The Hebrew of Hebrews. You know, pedigree. He said, look at my heritage. Look at my pedigree. I am the pure Hebrew. When he says I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews, pedigree. So pedigree was his flesh there, the natural resource that he was using there. Now the next one was, as to the law, a Pharisee. Colon. As to the law, a Pharisee. So what was his flesh there? What was the, what was the resource there? When he says, as to the law, I am a Pharisee. If you know who the Pharisees were, hmm? religion, performance. As to religious performance, I am a Pharisee. I know the laws, though sometimes I don't keep them. And he says, as to zeal, <laughs> a persecutor of the church, another colon there, so there is a break there. As to zeal, a persecutor of the church. And by the way, the Pharisee there also refers to status. As to my status, say, you see my status? See, I'm a minister. Hmm? As to zeal, a persecutor of the church. So zeal. So what does the zeal tell you there? Performance, right? Performance, and then my commitment, you know, my commitment, my enthusiasm. I was so enthusiastic that I persecuted the church. That's why he calls himself the chief of sinners. And then as to righteousness, which is in the law, 
I, I was found blameless <laughs> as to the righteousness which is in the law found blameless. So what is the resource there? As to the righteousness which is in the law, in other words, the righteousness that is based on the law, I was found blameless. Again, performance, right? I performed this religion so well. My understanding was that my righteousness is based on the law. I kept the law as a Pharisee. I knew the law. I even made more laws than God himself made. You see, I persecuted the Christians. But hear what he says. So we saw his pedigree. We saw his status. We saw his performance. We saw his zeal and commitment. And then we saw his understanding of the law. You know, uh, education. You know, Paul was a lawyer. His education. Probably for our, uh, uh, we might say, his IQ. His intelligence. Because Paul could argue. But he says something that is so interesting in the next statement. He said, but whatever things were gained to me, those things I have counted them as what? As loss for the sake of Christ. Those things, my pedigree, my self-righteousness, my understanding of the law, my status, you know, all those things that are external, he says, I counted them as what? Loss. Another, another version says as garbage, as rubbish, for the sake of knowing Christ. For the sake of knowing Christ. Amen? So then, what is the definition of the flesh? What is the definition of the flesh? The flesh or self-life is the condition it is also the mindset, it is also the attitude, it is a strategy of living where my focus is primarily on myself. Even if it is a good-looking self, well-adjusted self, and we will look at those, those various terms, good-looking self, well-adjusted, or socially acceptable self, where I am living out of my own resources. And those resources could be your heritage, your pedigree, your education. I have a PhD. I have four PhDs. You can live out of that. Your IQ, your personality, your sense of humor, your looks, your talent, your abilities, your capabilities, your self-discipline. Remember, I didn't say self-control. Self-discipline. You know, there are people that are so self-disciplined, but they lack self-control. Self-strength, etc., etc. Why? In order to cope or deal with life, in order to solve my problems, in order to meet my needs, and also to, to become a success. To become a success. So the purpose of the flesh is to cope or deal with life, to meet my needs, and also to protect myself. That's the purpose of the flesh, to protect myself, and also to control 
to control circumstances around me and to control others too. To control me, to control circumstances around me and then to control others. In other words, no. In other words, it is me trying to live life independent of Christ. That's the bottom line. It is me trying to live life independent of Christ. Anytime we try to live life independent of Christ, we are living according to the flesh. We are living according to the flesh. There's a book I read that said, anytime we live according to the flesh, or anytime we are threatened and then we, we want to act independent of Christ, independent of the life of Christ, that we put on a success suit, you know, your success suit. And your success suit could be humor. You know, if I just make people laugh, <laughs> I will feel successful. Oh, if I just get angry, I will control them. You know, how many people control others by anger? If, if I yell, they will calm down. And that is a flesh outburst of anger. I just go to the gym every day and pump up these muscles. I will look good. That is my success suit, you know. I will accept myself. Even if others don't accept me, I will accept myself and I will feel good about myself. I can cope with life with fat muscles, you know. So these are, there are various, various ways, various success suits that we put on so that we'll feel okay with ourselves, independent of, independent of Christ. Now, the flesh is in operation in a non-Christian continuously. You see, Paul says that those that are in the flesh, in the flesh, that means you are in there, and that is for the unbelievers. The believer can walk according to the flesh, but it's not in the flesh. So the flesh is in operation in a non-Christian continuously, but in a Christian, the flesh is operating whenever the behavior, whenever the believer is not abiding in Christ and walking by the Spirit and therefore operating under the power of the indwelling sin. We would um, talk about the indwelling sin. Like, like Pastor Bank always says, this, this is like a foundation cross um, where I used to teach this, you know, we call this spiritual formation. Spiritual formation. You know, the Christian, the basic Christian, the basic Christian belief. So there are terms that we normally read in the Bible and we really don't know what they mean. Things like indwelling sin, the power of sin, the flesh. So we'll talk about those things so that we'll have an understanding of what they are. Amen. Now, next slide, please. The biblical origin of the flesh. So, what is the origin of this flesh? What is the origin of this uh, natural ways of living? Uh, the things that we do to cope with life, they are really coping mechanisms. You know, the psychologists will call those coping mechanisms. Um, I was talking to I was talking with somebody, and he 
say they are going for, that the person doesn't have good coping skills. So we cope. Um, but Paul says in uh, Romans chapter 5, verse, verse, verse 17, that we should reign in life and not cope with life. It is either you are reigning in life or you're coping. We have various coping mechanisms. And when we cope, in other words, we are using our own ways to live our lives, then we are now living independent of Christ. So what is the source? What is the origin? What is the origin of uh, the flesh? You remember the two trees in the garden? The tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and then the tree of life. The two trees, they represent the two systems that we mentioned, that we mentioned earlier. Now, let me give us a background as I understand it. Um, is it God told Adam, say, you shall not eat of this tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, that the day you eat, you do what? You surely die. You will surely die. Um, but if you recall in that, uh, in, in that passage, that after the woman ate and gave it to the man, the Bible does not mention any funeral service. Was there any funeral service? No, there was none. There was no funeral service. So they did not die physically. They did not die physically. Remember that we are spirit beings. We are spiritual beings. We are also physical beings. Okay. So it was actually the spirit that died. And I say die in quote because the spirit doesn't die. And if you remember that when we define death as the absence of life, okay, so uh, the woman's spirit who was now Eve, because it was after the fall that the name was changed from woman to Eve. Before the fall, she was woman. And that is how you know, the husband named her, the woman, Ish, and Ish. So um, they died Spiritually, in other words, there, were, there was the absence of God's life in them. God, God's life left them. Now, because God's life left them, that's Zoe. You know, the Hebrew word is Zoe, which is God's kind of life. They had their own life, right? You know, uh, you know we call that life in biology. That's biological life. They still had life. They could still move around. They could still think, but their thoughts, their thoughts were distorted. Their thoughts were distorted. They had a distorted view of God. They had a distorted view of themselves, and they had a, a distorted view of others. Amen? The life of God left them. They still had to live. They still had to eat. They still had to meet their needs, not only the physical needs of food, clothes, you know, a cover over your head as a shelter, but also had to meet their inner needs. You know, God designed us, he wired us with those inner needs. You know what Jesus said? He said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by what? By every word that proceeded out of my mouth. So 
it's not only the bread that we live on, but there are inner needs that God has designed us with. And those needs, love, acceptance, competence, value, significance. Without love, a need uh, is something that we cannot do without. Right? You cannot do without a need. If you don't have those needs, if you don't have oxygen, you will die. <laughs> if you don't have food, you will die. If you don't have water, you will die. And so in relationships, if you don't have love, the relationship dies. If you don't have acceptance, a sense of belonging to somebody, if you don't have value, huh? to have value, to have significance, you know, when you say, I have significance, it means that I matter. When I have uh, uh, competence, it means that I can do something. You know, if you have the sense that you don't have any of those things, then life is useless for you. And so, they had to find their own ways to meet those needs in their life because they had separated themselves from God. It's not, it's not that God separated himself from them, but they separated themselves from God. I think um, Isaiah, Isaiah, I think 51 or 53, says that God says that my ears are not blocked, that I cannot hear you. Right, so his ears are open. Neither are my eyes shut, that I cannot see you. But what? Your sins have separated you from myself. Your sins have separated you from myself. And so, Adam and Eve were now to meet their own needs using their own resources because they had separated themselves from God's life, God's resources. And so they had to find their own ways. And that is the origin of the flesh. Let's see what. Um, can you give me um, uh, Jeremiah chapter 2, verse, verse, verse 13? Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 13, 1, 3. This is Jeremiah speaking of the people of Israel. He says, for my people have committed two evils. Two evils. They have forsaken me. In other words, they have separated themselves from me. Who is the fountain of living waters. To hew for themselves cisterns. Broken cisterns that can hold no water. See, when we separate ourselves from God, then we have to find our own ways to beat those things, those needs that we were wired with, the need for love, the need for acceptance. And so he says that, you know, he, he symbolized those ways by you dig cisterns. Cistern is a well, you know, that stores water. And these systems are broken, our own ways, our natural ways. And they cannot hold water. You forsook the fountain of life, which is God's life. And then you resorted to your own ways. You dug these systems, and they cannot hold water. Psalms uh, 30, 36, sorry, Psalms 36, verse 9. I wanted to, to show us the difference between these two ways. You know, 
the system, I mean, the world that wells with living water. Verse 9 says that, for with you, as God, is the fountain of life. In your light, we see the light. In God is the fountain of life. Our own fountains, our own cisterns cannot hold water. Amen? In his light, we see the light. So instead of lighting our own lights to see, let's depend on the light of God. Because it is only in his light, in his revelation. In his revelation. Not our, not our self-revelation. In his revelation, we see the truth. Because he is the truth. The way and the life. Amen? Okay. Now the... Uh, Slide. 50. 50 minutes? That's it? Okay. So, let's see the two ways now. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil, that represents the flesh. It represents self-sufficiency. Whereas, the tree of life represents the spirit. It represents Christ's sufficiency. The flesh represents independence. To act independent of God. Whereas the spirit is dependent on God. Next one. Let's go fast. Bondage. The flesh refers to bondage. See, Jesus said, he that sins is a slave to sin. Because the tree of life results in sin. In fact, seed resulted in that. The tree of life results in sin. And Jesus said, if you sin, then you are a slave of sin. You are bound to sin. Whereas the spirit, in the spirit, you are free. Free from the power of sin. Free from the law. Free from the world. The influence of the world. Next one, very quickly. The flesh represents law. Law. Performance. I perform so that I earn. Whereas the spirit represents grace. Grace says, I am, therefore I do. I am, therefore I do. The law says, I do to be I am. Then the last one, death and life. Death, as I said, represents, means the absence of God's life. And then the other one is the spirit is life. And then the last thing I want to say here, and we'll continue. You see, after... After Adam and Eve ate of, the, ate of the forbidden fruit, what was the first thing that they noticed? They knew that they were naked. They saw that they were naked. Their eyes were open and they saw that they were naked. And the next thing was what? What, what else did they do? They covered themselves. That is the very first flesh. The very first flesh. They covered themselves. And then when God confronted them, what did they say? God, God said, where are you? And what did they say? I saw you and, and I did what? I hid myself. He said, I was afraid. And then I hid myself. So hiding another flesh. He said, I saw you. I mean, I heard your voice. I was afraid. They were not afraid before. Because I was what? Naked. I was ashamed of my nakedness. 
And God asked them, who told you? Who told you? You see, there are things that we bring upon ourselves. And God says, who told you? You say, I am, I am, uh, you know, some people tell me, I am reserved. I say, who told you you are reserved? Did God tell you that? So think about the things that we say to ourselves, you know, the labels that we give ourselves. Is that from God? So one, the first coping mechanism was what? Covering. The next one was what? Hiding. And the next one was what? When God confronted them, God confronted Adam. Did you eat of what I told you not to eat from? What did Adam say? He blamed the woman and God. And what did Eve say? Blame the serpent. So, three coping mechanisms that has resonated in our life, right from the time of Adam and Eve up to now. We only modify those. The first one is cover. The next one is hiding. And the next one is blame. Three fleshly coping skills. And we will continue with those. Father, thank you for your word oh, this, this morning. Um, Bible says that the entrance of your word give it light, give it understanding. May we, as we align our mind with the mind of Christ that we have, understand your word and, and live it out, even as you have purposed it for us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.